0: Okay, so today, welcome. Welcome, welcome, our monster is Feedback. And Feedback we have invited, monster. Mm-hmm, we've invited a good friend of mine who I've known for years. Uh, his name is Steven Sapanik, and he's a senior designer at Headspace, uh, focusing on design systems. So it's a really cool to talk with him uh, about this monster, especially how he's gone from in-house to agency, uh, back to in-house where he is at Headspace now, How he's progressed through his career from designer to senior designer. He has a really good perspective and a good head on his shoulders when it comes to feedback. And Brian, you were saying you, you felt like, you think some of that maybe came from like the music days, you know, his time spent playing bands, yeah. but maybe even more so from being an artist, painting and doing other uh, types of mediums like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, so in, in our chat with him, we we definitely get into kind of his perspective on how to deliver feedback, how to receive feedback, some of his experience with feedback that isn't good, um, some, some feedback when it's working great. And uh, sort of ask, you know, um, he did have, he was a musician, he still is a musician, um how did that his work as a musician inform his relationship with feedback because you know when you're in a band you have to work together to create something Mm -hmm. um and i think it's similar with any art um yeah and so we talk about his experience with feedback um and then after that we visit and hang out with some of our favorite monsters right now um i'm not going to spoil them right now just know that this episode is officially sponsored by Prey, which is on Hulu. <laughs> I'm kidding; it's not officially sponsored. I don't want to get sued, but everybody <laughs> should go see that. Um, yeah, John. Anything else?
0: Yeah, I just think it it is really cool to hear from someone that you can tell has 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 grown a lot and. I say that because I've known him for a long time throughout his career, but I think it even just comes through. He has a very mature um, perspective when it comes to feedback. You know, there was a moment where I was almost getting at a situation where I knew he had experienced someone that, you know, would would consistently give feedback that was not just hard to hear, but, you know, it was, it, it was just negative. It, it wasn't constructive at all. And I kind of pressed mm. him a little bit about that. But he didn't even get worked up about it. He kind of went straight into like, well, you know, um, I've learned that, you know, there there might just be something really good in there that I can pull out of it. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> I don't and even you know why that I'm, is. I'm not sure well, yet, but. <laughs> well, we've decided he's just a sweet boy. He's a sweet boy. He's just yeah. a sweet boy. So. Yeah, um, he, saw so and what's funny is Brian said that after Stephen signed off, he just goes, Stephen's a sweet boy and Stephen actually, a long time. You know, my wife been, and I have been married for about ten years, and so we've known each other for almost twelve years now. And Stephen and his girlfriend at the time actually set up my wife and I on like a blind date, and so we met like that. So Stephen was responsible Incredible. for my relationship in some ways, but I was talking to my wife, who has known him, you know, for a long time. And right before we signed on to the podcast, we were both just like, "Stephen's a sweet boy," and it sounds like Brian. <laughs> echoed that as well so yeah. the consensus is yeah. he's sweet, sweet boy, boy. Okay. so i think with that let's just get into our chat with yeah sweet boy steven here we go sweet. we're back we're recording we're doing it oh my god so it's we have like a... 30 minutes of figuring this out oh my god steven <laughs> this, thank this. you for your grace
2: yes of course patience sir Technology, am i right like oh honestly
1: Okay. I am literally updating my OS after this. Yes. I'm just always so afraid of like I've all these different files and I have to like do mm. the comb through it, make sure it's all backed up in the places I need it. Uh, yeah, I'm just putting excuses. Yeah. So it's just. <laughs>
2: I mean, my huge one is is just my browser tabs. Like even the ones that I have pinned, I'm just like I don't even want to restart and update because what mm-hmm. if pinned ones go? Like totally. I'm, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like
1: it's like a solid do you ever remember like playing uh, solitaire on the desktop when you get yeah. solitaire it's, like... <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: it's just like that's what it feels tabs. like yeah. <laughs> you yeah. want each little <laughs> you're like but but if i lose a tap i lose a part mm-hmm. of my personality
2: <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> and then it takes you a week just to catch up and remember what your yeah. members were even talking about what you were even doing
0: mm-hmm. yeah oh my god and and for, so, for yeah. everyone out there who's trying to figure out what we're talking about, uh, we we tried running a meeting, this this podcast meeting through Riverside.fm, which we love, but for some reason was not working with Brian's computer. And it's probably because he had to update his OS. So we're okay. on Zoom now. We're recording this yeah. through Zoom and so trusty old Zoom. My <laughs> machine was
1: not up to the task, wasn't performing. Yeah. He's tired. We're
0: back.
2: Back. You're back. You're in. And, and
0: you know, we missed we missed a little bit of a a little bit of the intro of how Steven and I met, which we just now realized was about 20 years ago. So that's yeah. kind of crazy.
1: So do you yeah. guys feel old when you say that word 20 years ago? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, but it's
2: okay. Like I I think I think uh I'm okay growing old. I mean, it feels yeah, saying it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah.
2: But yeah, we, yeah, I've
1: had a few friendships that old, and it's just like when you start saying those words, you're like 20 mm-hmm. years ago.
0: Yeah, that's oh, crazy. Yeah. And we haven't talked in probably a couple years, maybe
2: it's been at a least a while. Person, man, I, don't
0: know. I mean, we've maybe texted like a couple times here and there, yeah. but like, yeah, it's been a while. So, yeah, but, yeah we we met playing music, and I, I'm i I want to hear, and I, this Brian can kind of learn, like, what what has your uh what's your history playing music what what does that look like
2: yeah totally well i started like okay i was actually talking about this a couple of days ago but the first experience of like watching a local band play live was keeping Alice, and that was like mm-hmm. rob monroe jim um and then you know the rest of the band damien and all that so like at santa teresa high school that's where i went um mm-hmm. to high school watching them play live at lunch and i wasn't even cool. into it. i was mostly into hip hop and rap at the time so i didn't really like absorb just mm. any rock or indie rock or pop rock yeah. or anything so i was just watching them play live and just watching them go ape shit just the way that they do and i was so impressed it made me want to start playing music and, cool. and like pick up a bass and and just start learning and absor- absorbing everything. That's, you know, indie rock, rock, metal, all all the good stuff, but also mm-hmm. just like curious about what the network and what the community was like within local music in San Jose mm-hmm. specifically. So, yeah, yeah, big, big, you know, shout out to keeping else and, and uh, those guys back in the day, but yeah, pretty much like incredible. I started, yeah. I got into like my first band with Jesse. Satello and the other other cool dudes, and we just ended up continue playing music as as much as possible. I think Fighting Jacks was like our huge inspiration during that time. So we ended up, you know, playing with a bunch of local bands and then just getting into the scene and then met John at something. Yeah, I kind of forgot when that was. So, yeah,
1: Steven, I have a question for you, and i haven't asked this of you too, John. So I'm not a musician. I I'm, I don't have any of that skill set. Um, obviously, I love music, but I just I'm not a musician. Um, how did it feel like that first time being on stage?
2: Ooh, so nerve wracking. It was. Yeah. What was your
0: first performance? When? did can you remember? Oh, maybe it was I the think deets. It was
2: probably, yeah, I think it was like for probably a birthday party at some random like mm-hmm. shop or whatever for mm-hmm. like a bunch of friends, but. Um, and I think maybe another first couple shows was like at a church or something. There were always these like random venues in San Jose totally. that. Yeah. Um, like Armando's parlors.
0: Yeah. yeah, Armando's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And like Chemical Free Zone was probably like, I don't know, once you hit to Campbell Gaslighter, you're like, all right, now I'm actually out of venue yeah. On stage. The and Cactus everything. Club. Cactus Club. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But um, Deep yeah, cut. yeah. Deep cut. I think once mm-hmm. th- that was probably It was just those random venues was kind of like the start, really. A lot of Mm -hmm. churches, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: remember remember that that. that's even consistent. I grew up in Los Angeles (laughs) and I remember my first show was a band called um, it was a pop punk outfit called Neural, N-U-R-A-L, and it was at a church as well. And they were Mm -hmm. they were a secular. uh, Actually, I think the lead singer was a Christian, but it was a secular band. and i remember going there and it
0: sounded really good like the acoustics are great yeah <laughs> so yeah that was just... a wave man of like christian music scene yeah, yeah. is and then was, and then it was... it was like a big thing for a while the
1: punk the screamo yeah yeah,
0: yeah. totally God, funny so much screamo <laughs> screamo it's
2: are you just... are you playing
0: music today are you still playing
2: you know i t- i kind of took a break for the past i definitely during the pandemic, but mm-hmm. even like a year before that. Um, but more recently, over I think a couple of weekends ago, I supported one of my friends. He he has a band called the builders and the butchers. And he just did an acoustic show at cool. this, this uh, place called subtle lodge, which is right next to subtle Lake. it's like probably three hours south of Portland, mm-hmm. but he wanted me to support him and play bass well for like, a like five songs while he was playing acoustic. So that was pro- a couple of weeks ago. And it was Ah, it was pretty magical, actually. The whole Ooh. environment, just everyone on, yeah grass just like on the field in front of us, and the lake was behind us, and the sun was setting. yeah, it was, mm. that was good. It was that's cool.
0: awesome, yeah, yeah. and so
2: back into music for sure, yeah, dude, totally. I know I get the itch constantly
0: to do it all the time, well, John, you're I mean, you're
2: you just drop albums like no one's business. <laughs> I
0: know, <laughs> yeah, but like I, it's difference between doing that and then, like, playing live and i uh, and everything i make is like by myself so i am trying to figure out a way to do some of that more electronic stuff where i have like a track and then i can just play guitar and sing with it and like maybe pair it with like a projection like video sort of thing so it's like a kind of a visual experience but yeah it's taking some work i'm working on it we'll see where it goes so come up to portland and play yeah so
1: (laughs) okay so we're I'm going to tie this back to music, but it's got me thinking. <laughs> so we're here today uh, tackling the monster known as feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how we give it when it's too much feedback, when it's not enough feedback, when the feedback sucks, how we receive feedback, just our whole relationship uh, with feedback in the workplace. But um, as you all are talking about um, music, Muzak, um, has me thinking about the experience of being in a band, and it's like a really fun group project. And it's like the first time, honestly, outside of like a high school group project mm-hmm. where you work collaborat- collaboratively with people, and even that requires a little bit of feedback. Like, is there yeah. anything you learned back in the band days around feedback before you even got in the workforce that? um you've taken with you or have just even thought about
2: you know what uh, i want to say that that relationship with bandmates and like just practicing and, and creating music is actually pretty similar to us in the design industry or just you know mm-hmm. providing feedback or taking feedback with with what we do professionally it's um yeah now that i'm thinking back to it, like just those moments just sitting in a room with those the first Couple of dudes I was in a band with was pretty much the same thing. Where you know you you definitely want to stay open minded and and hear everyone's opinion and and where a song could potentially go because you know there's there's no right way way or wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes opinions outweigh other opinions. Um, sometimes that creates a couple arguments here and there, but I think overall, like there there does come to a point where there is agreement of you know what does sound good because we're we're all that you know we're all outputting that same music that same vibe and energy and and, and song so you know we all want to agree what what is going into that process and and what that output is so yeah it's, it's pretty one-to-one actually i want to say yeah
0: totally yeah and and what so w- w- you, currently you're at Headspace, right. uh, but kind of even how you got there, um, you worked for, like, the water company or something like that, right? Yeah. Like, you got yeah. your start. And t- so tell us what that was like, kind of your just first getting into design and kind of bringing some of that experience of, like, being in a band. Because I felt that, too. Like, playing music, once you start to get into a team and you're designing, it's like, wow, this is very similar. So what, what was that like starting from there? And what were the places that you – worked at leading up to where you're at now being at Headspace.
2: Yeah, totally. So um I I took a break from college for a while and and actually started at the water company um as like a receptionist just to kind of mm-hmm, like get out of I had many warehouse gigs before that so I just kind of wanted to get out of the warehouse scene and just like try <laughs> something new. But you know, I overheard at the water company and the the design department that they were looking for another designer and I was at the time I dabbled with Photoshop and and Illustrator and you know mm-hmm. whatnot but I didn't really know the programs as much as I said I did <laughs> you know fake it till you make it how
0: we all started
2: <laughs> yeah totally so um but the only way I could actually join the design team was to be a student intern so I'd have to go back to college um to get my degree or focus on that on that degree to in mm-hmm. order to join that team so i ended up going back to college graduating getting my ba in design cool um and then not long after the water company because what i did mostly there was just print pretty much like Mm -hmm. in-house reports and and all that stuff so um it was it was exciting for me but also looking back at it it was you know it's very necessary to learn Print, mm-hmm. but also is, yeah. i'm very happy i'm not in it anymore <laughs> yeah for sure um but anyways yeah just not long after uh, uh john and i we we met um somehow at some point during that that transition of, yeah. the, of the water company into this other small boutique studio in in campbell or somewhere in san jose mm-hmm. um and we started to do uh, interactive demos pretty much for like CEOs like Cisco and Brocade and like tech companies mm-hmm. to to really just focus and um on on their vision work to to really sell yeah. like what they could be doing with their company and their their tools and features yeah um, so we really just made i i remember we always said between our designers and engineers we made fake shit look cool
0: yeah <laughs> it's funny cuz i don't even think it was called product design then you know, like that term was like what yeah. but that's literally what we were doing we were yeah, doing yeah. like prototypes that's yeah. basically we were creating prototypes that was it
2: exactly <laughs> and sorry back up but yeah that john was already working at that studio and mm-hmm. he got me to uh kind of enter that world so i was there for mm-hmm. like probably i don't know three it was a long time too long but yeah. um <laughs> ended up going after that into my first agency gig called Idean. Uh, which is Finnish, a Finnish-based <laughs> agency, um, located in Palo Alto. They had a bunch of offices and throughout the state. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was there for about a year and some change. And actually that was that that was a weird transition because that was my first agency gig, but also that was my first um dip into product world as well. Because for like right. majority of that time that I was there at Idean, I was actually planted on the the nook app the barnes and nobles nook app um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. department and team to to help with their uh ux team to to work on their design system and and work on android ios with their qa team and engineers to um to just you know pretty much work on their features uh so that that was kind of a mixture between agency and product uh, right
1: Go, going back a second, um when you're talking about design systems, oh, yeah. um just kind of cluing folks in who don't really know. When you're when when you're describing design systems, what are you what are you what are you describing? What are you talking about?
2: Uh it, it in simple terms, it's pretty much the complete holistic experience for UI library, um, in including patterns and and also just like. Contribution model of how, um, pretty much, it's a kit where all engineers and designers can use all the tools, like like component components, like buttons and and you know radio buttons and all that stuff, all the way to p- complex patterns, um, which are just combined components, um, and also just rules and guidelines on how to use um, not only the the UI library but also the branding toolkit as well, and and how everything can continue to be a cohesive experience, um, Mm -hmm. you know, moving forward. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of there's there's much more than just a UI kit um, that is that goes into design systems. It's 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 pretty robust. It's
0: it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of moving parts easier to move.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, that's a good way of actually
2: sum it up.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: Did did you, when you got into, you know, bouncing between agency world and in-house world, like what, what did that, what are some of the differences that mm-hmm. stood out to you?
2: Yeah, I think I didn't really notice the differences in, and what I was dealing with at the time of that first agency gig and, and that first product experience. It was more so when I uh fast forward moved up to and joined instrument which is a creative agency up here and i worked there for about like three and a half years but that was that was a i want to say that, that was actually first real experience in two yeah. agency work and and the world and actually working with end-to-end projects um with with tight deadlines and um that whole experience um and with with all those projects you know working with on strategy with with researchers and, and going through the whole design process and then even at the very end doing development handoff i i did dev handoff for almost every project um mm-hmm. which was actually more of my introduction into design systems and and also just again the whole overall process with with agency uh, yeah in general but so going from instrument um, I wanted to go back into product for some time. I, I was just kind of thinking about it, um, how I enjoy my time working on Nook for Barnes and Nobles, and it was just a very interesting dynamic. It was very systematic. There was it was just de- definitely a different type of thinking. Um, so with my my skill set, my experience with agency world, I kind of wanted to change it up and go into product. So I ended up working at Better Mortgage for uh about a year after instrument um and that that was my my job before i went on to headspace but i pretty much ran the whole or helped ran run the whole design systems um team for that company and built it from scratch uh, throughout that year cool. and Very then cool. now i'm here at headspace running the design system over here as well
0: that's awesome man
2: yeah so Hi, going and- about- oh go ahead how long have you been at headspace now uh it'll be a year in October actually Ooh,
0: Ooh,
1: nice, dude. congratulations
2: Thank you. birthday boy i
1: I don't understand by the way how it's is it September 17th at where when we're recording this um mm-hmm. I don't it feels like September's been two days long
0: <laughs> is that anybody else Kind of, oh, yeah really? it's yeah. weird yeah I, like August felt long you know why? Wow. I don't know. For me, I feel like it's just been in the past couple of days where it feels like it went from like all of the, all of a sudden the, the sun was like, "I'm going to go down earlier." Today's the day. Yeah. I don't know. There's always that point in mid-September where you feel the difference and you're like, yeah. "It's seven and it's dark. What happened?" Like it just right. sneaks uh, up on you. Totally, it
2: always happens to me.
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, Stephen, where do you live? Do you still live in Portland? Or I still you? live in
2: Portland? Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife and I, we we've been. Been up here for about six plus years now. Yeah.
1: Rad. But, I'm in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz and Portland share uh yeah share uh, similar DNA.
2: I love Santa Cruz. I love it. <laughs> yeah. We
1: have we have a little bit of Portland and then just like a, a, a little splash of like SoCal Coastal San Diego. I don't know. It's it's weird. Um yeah uh yeah interesting. Um so you're at Headspace and yeah. you're uh the senior product designer uh doing design systems
2: that's right yep over there yep yeah totally and it it's been a really good experience even my experience with better mortgage not not to get into the the tornado that came after i left i'm sure you've heard about the whole uh falling out of that company but if you haven't go ahead and research it um (laughs) but but that was a really good experience kind of really understanding how much I wanted to hone in on design systems in general and like really work on that craft and and work towards something that, um, you know, not only to be proud of, but also like I think design systems is such an evolving part of the industry that's it's just constantly growing. Things are changing. There's mm-hmm. so many new tools that are constantly making our process even more efficient. Um, not only on building the products, but also helping us build a, a better design system as well. Yeah. Um, which was awesome. So I had a really great experience on just like learning the ins and outs and like really understanding what I wanted as a designer and, um, you know, a leader, at least in that space, um, where I wanted to head to and, and what I did with, with after better was pretty much, I wanted to look for something that a product that was. You know, helping people, I kind of wanted to get out of that the mortgage world. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a stepping stone into product, but um Headspace was just it was I've I've actually wanted to be at Headspace for a couple of years, even prior to to joining. And um it's been amazing. Yeah. Cool.
0: I was curious, yeah. you know, kind of moving through your career, being a senior now, and you've had some senior roles prior to that. Um what was it like moving from designer to senior designer and with the topic of feedback in mind how did that play a role in that transition
2: yeah totally i think feedback definitely played a huge role um so transitioning from designer to senior was you know i i feel like there were at least maybe the the last couple of years that i was at instrument where i knew i was doing senior work i knew i was leading projects the way a senior Mm -hmm. you know, should be leading a project. So I feel like I was already doing the work. It was just, just a title thing that needed to really happen. And it wasn't, it was just more of like, all right, great, you're officially now a senior, but I feel like I've been doing senior work for majority of my time Mm -hmm. at instrument before I was actual senior. So, but I think I think feedback and going, you know, getting feedback and providing feedback to other designers and, and other disciplines on our team was really huge for my growth as an individual and a designer to understand, like, the type of feedback that I should be providing, the type of environment, safe environment that we should actually be, you know, providing each other to to get that awesome constructive feedback and and just safe safe space in general so i think i think it took i was already doing the work of a senior but i think i still needed to learn and grow um as an individual to on how to give feedback and how to also take in feedback i think that's that is a certain aspect of a designer or just what we do that a lot of people don't understand is a skill set within itself and it's Mm -hmm. something that you need to continue to grow and and really shape and and I, it's like therapy. Honestly, like you're you're mm-hmm. going into these design crits and you you want to really be empathetic towards the other people that are sharing their work. You want to like really praise them and champion for them for what they've done. But then also at the same time, if you're if you're seeing areas of improvement, you want to really provide that feedback in a in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: What was it like? Uh- in those moments where you you felt like it, it wasn't a safe space and you felt like okay maybe Rewind this isn't actually that. even yeah. constructive you know and and how did that contrast in a way where you were able to eventually see okay this is how it should feel even though it's it's constructive where it's it's i'm not doing something right and i'm getting feedback about it but this feels like it's the way it should be done so yes. what what was it like when it was you felt like it was done the way it shouldn't be done.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there definitely was, I think it really depends on, there wasn't like a specific company on, you know, one, I had a really great experience over here at this company, but then over here, I think it really depends on the characters that you have within those meetings. And it was very obvious. Um, At least for me, when I was a designer, I didn't know how to, maybe take the feedback or even provide it back or how to communicate what I was really, you know, thinking during that time and selling my designs.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: There were certain points early on in my career that it was there are toxic moments of, of you know, whether it's an engineer that just like really wants to shit on your designs and really doesn't want to, you know, either build it the right way, or like there's, there's so many technical limitations that maybe I didn't understand it as, as a designer at that point of like how to really maneuver the designs to also be, you know, take account for other people's, you know, perspectives Mm -hmm. of, of how it should be built. Um, so I think early on taking some of that feedback, it, it, could have felt toxic, or I could have take, taken things personally because I didn't understand, mm-hmm. from their perspective, what they were getting at during that that moment. Yeah. And I think for my growth going, you know, working throughout the years and, and being in those situations and, and really working closely and collaborating with different characters and mindsets, that I understood how to really navigate those conversations, navigate certain characteristics, um, to not take anything personal and also really understand where those people are coming from um whether it's you know professionally or a technical aspect of it or maybe it's like a business goal that i'm was unaware of at that time and really try to absorb everyone else's perspective um yeah you know moving forward it i i think it was it wasn't like a quick contrasting like transition of like i was this is
1: magical yeah. like leveling up in an rpg like oh now i'm yeah a, i'm an enlightened feedback person right. i yeah. reached level 40.
2: <laughs> yep and honestly like it's we're all still learning today like it's yeah. never gonna be this like perfect puzzle that we can put together at the end of every design crit or conversation mm-hmm, there's going to mm-hmm. be constantly new You know ideas new opinions um that we're we're all juggling together it's just a matter of how you maneuver and navigate through that and work together and and make sure it's not you know feeling like a hostile environment
1: yeah absolutely it's it's yeah yeah there's this journey of like you know when you start out and you're doing this kind of work and i'm speaking as a writer not necessarily a designer and somebody in design systems but there's a lot of self-identification with the work, especially in the beginning, which generates an enormous amount of insecurity. And when you receive, or in the the early days, when, or you you know what, maybe even today, if there's somebody you really respect and you really want to please, maybe you can even briefly revert back to this old way of being. But, um, you know, when somebody, there's just that self-identification. So if somebody identifies what's not working, what you hear is, "Well, I'm bad at my job, and I should just go walk into traffic."
0: <laughs> and, I, mean,
1: yeah. I totally
2: and it's like, agree. Clearly, yeah. yeah, I think I think imposter syndrome is like a constant thing that we will fight day in day out. It's not a yeah. thing that we'll solve. And and yeah, if there's something that I am proud of, I'll and I'm getting like constructive feedback. I'll feel the jab, but like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna position of where I'm like feeling defensive. It's like, oh, yeah, I've only like explored maybe five directions that I thought were really good. But you're bringing in different, you know, characters with like so much experience. And they're thinking about this one thing in so many different ways, you have to be really accepting with with where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah,
1: It's that maturation is very much like, okay, no, it's really about, about like, how do we get the best work here? And I need everybody's perspectives to get there. Um, But it's, it's, it can be quite a journey. And then,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, Hearing and articulating and responding to everybody's perspectives, selecting which perspective you're really prioritizing
0: as you reiterate, like, um, yeah. I think what's what's interesting is when I when I first kind of asked that question, I was definitely giving like free reign to be like, tell us about those moments where feedback was bad. But mm. I think that's what shows like <clears throat> as you kind of move through your career and you move into more of those senior roles, like you didn't even you were just like, Well, yeah, it was like this. But then I grew and I realized that, you know, you it's almost like you you you're at a point now where, you know, I don't think any of us are necessarily You know, impervious to (laughs) feedback, but you're you like at a place where you can look back at stuff that was really challenging and go, Yeah, but you know, it helped me grow. And I think that's really cool because Mm -hmm. it, we get to a point where you realize you're never going to be able to avoid even the most quote unquote destructive feedback. Like it feels destructive. Um, anyway, really quick, let's, let's like break that down. What is, what is yeah, actually feedback? Well, we're we were I don't know if you have it up in front of you, Brian. I'm trying to remember, I don't have it up at the moment, but there's that chart that I think a lot of us have seen, and we're gonna we're gonna post in our Instagram feed. So if you're listening to this, at that point you should it'll probably be there. But it's that chart where it shows what what are the quadrants again? Um it, this is all centered around radical there's candor. There's the radical candor is right. sort of the like the goal, right? Like That's you wanna goal. be totally like open about what you're trying to say um and in some ways i think we're always trying to speak to that but it doesn't always come out that way and i think that's what the other four quadrants of this chart are speaking to so one of the corners i know is ruinous empathy and i can say because that's something that i can fall in at times i'm a bit of a softy and uh Mm -hmm. i sometimes skirt around that radical candor that I need to be delivering to people. Um, and and that's not good. That doesn't help people grow. It doesn't challenge them. It doesn't push them. Uh, it's not being totally honest. And I think the problem is that for me, because I struggle with giving it that way, I think I expect it to come like that. So yeah. even when it's radical candor and it's really good feedback, sometimes I'm like, man, this person doesn't like me. Or like, oh, what's going saying? on? And sometimes yeah. it is like delivered. That way, you know, where someone does come in, and they're like, "What's what's the other one that's like feels like really harsh, Brian?" I don't know what's that. Uh, so, like- the, so oh, the other one is so yeah. The, lo,
1: lo, we'll just yeah. Well, we, yes, yeah, it was we'll, ruinous candor. Sorry, radical candor. That's the ideal, right? <laughs> that leads to uh, the most productive change when we're yeah. talking about feedback. Then there's ruinous empathy, mm-hmm. uh, which is operating from a space of ignorance. No change occurs there. Mm-hmm. There is manipulative insincerity, which mm-hmm. is the result of mistrust. Yeah. Once again, no change. And then there's the one you're talking about, John. There is obnoxious aggression, which comes from a space of defensiveness. And there can
0: be a little change there when we're talking about the work. And, and that was one point I wanted to... Mm-hmm. And then I'll stop talking, I promise. But mm-hmm. that... That was a key point for me and an a, and a interesting point of learning recently. And it kind of, I think it came from like our our chief creative officer at YML. And he had this point of, and I might be misquoting him, but I feel like this is what he was getting at, was that that uh, the more aggressive version of feedback, he would prefer that to the ruin because there is some change. And I think oh, that- Oh, got it. But also like the better that we get at receiving feedback, you can at least pull that truth out of that. And you can go, okay, yeah, I understand they're just delivering it poorly, but like, but they're saying something that might actually be really helpful and it will change something, whether it's in us personally, which is always harder when someone's speaking to you, or if it's about specifically the work, like this work is lacking this. And I thought that was a really good point. And it's not that we should all like go, well, it's okay to, to do that we should all be striving for radical candor but it really shows how like ruinous empathy can be it's kind of the worst because there's no change there's no challenge you know it's just like oh you just want to make the person feel comfortable yeah totally
1: in the work at this and that can hurt the work i Mm -hmm. i think for me one of the big things um uh i think my my north star when it comes to feedback is um does the person still feel excited and engaged to keep working on the project Mm -hmm. you know like if if you so many of the especially when you're talking about aggression or being insincere and like it doesn't really motivate the person to keep iterating and keep working yeah you know and um if there's no desire to change and keep working And that's that. I struggle with a lot of sort of defensive, aggressive um, feedback because oftentimes it then motivates it. It moves the person into a space of like fear and like Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like, uh, and then it affects the work. They don't feel like you know Mm -hmm. free to stagnant, yeah. Free, yeah, you know, release their little butterflies, and that's how I imagine work goes. Right, you, you, the butterflies come out.
2: Yeah, I mean. would you would want that to happen (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like there is like a really good there should be a balance between you know being empathetic but also giving that radical candor where it's like say for an example you know I'm, i'm giving i'm reviewing a designer's work and and seeing all the different directions that and all the work that they put into it you know i think there's a level of praise that they should actually receive and just understand how positive all of the work that they have been doing and really pull, like pull out all those details of like well i really like that you did this this way i like that the motion's moving this way mm-hmm. um the vertical rhythm of this page layout is solid but did you think about this like and mm-hmm. you know i think positioning Ooh, so
1: asking it as a question
2: yeah totally and not like projecting your own opinion right away i think there you'll probably us all personally will have like specific opinions that we we know as we're looking at the work like ah this should be this this should be look like that this should actually say this when really like how can we you know reposition that that feedback and how we're delivering it where we're actually asking like you said asking it as a question and having them answer back and and having them feel like ownership over Mm -hmm. what they just said or over that topic or that that piece of feedback as well so it it sounds like they're actually like understanding and also I don't know giving their perspective as well on the piece of feedback and they're yeah. directing and driving the conversation as well and it's just like I think yeah. I think that's that's a good balance is like really recognizing those those you know um those areas that are very successful but then just like really repositioning because he's positioning the conversation to be very approachable and not just like put up this wall um or have them put up this defensive wall of like ah yeah I can't do this anymore like it's not worth it i don't
1: know one one of the things i just heard when you're talking about that two things stood out to me in your kind of feedback example is you're using i statements like i feel as though this 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 is how i'm feeling about this work um you're also specific Mm -hmm. so those are two things i you know i sometimes i struggle i was telling john about this i'll struggle with feedback that's just like um especially if it's a group conversation, uh, this, just I'm going to be simple, this sucks, right? Uh-huh. And what it does is it's creating an objective statement about the work right? and kind of sets the tone. Oh. So, right? So then other people who want to chime in and talk about their subjective feelings, all of a sudden now we kind of have to address this idea that now it's objectively bad. Right instead of each of us articulating our subjective experience with the work you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like it's so much more helpful to be like oh this isn't connecting with me because xyz rather than this is this is yeah this is just
2: bad yeah totally and also having like you know the information to back that up of this isn't working say this color is not working with this other color and then xyz because of this color theory and you know because of this research that we've done you know in the past months like we just know that this isn't working um Mm -hmm. and and that's why it it doesn't just suck it's just it's not working because we've there's just proven that we've already put the work into it so like i think having information and having just ways of backing up like your subjective or even, you know, yeah, your subjective opinion. You just I think there's there's ways of doing it where you need to have that concrete example. To to form form, form. Yeah. yeah form.
0: <clears throat> but even even like kind of getting back to the asking. I think mm-hmm. that's just such a, a powerful way to lead and to manage uh and to be more collaborative because it just, it creates space, you know what I mean? It creates space, but it also the, the, the idea of like, we, we have the answers.
2: Yeah. And or so you think you have the answers, yeah.
0: yeah, but, but no, but I mean, like when you're working with someone uh, on a project and say, you're the one giving feedback, like you said, when you're asking them, like, well, what do you think about this more? How did you get to that point with this, this design or this, this element, you know, Uh, you're sort of acknowledging that like you have it in, you know, inside of you to resolve it and it might not be right, but I think you know what it might need to be. You know what I mean? And that's like empowering. So it's a really cool way. Sometimes you do have to be a little bit more blunt, but like, that's such a good, like kind of first step into feedback. It kind of invites them into like that solution uh, but if they're not getting it, then you can kind of move more to that radical candor, you know, what Yeah, I mean?
2: for sure. You know, I think yeah. that open dialogue, To, I mean, there's there's probably certain things that also the one, you know, you giving the feedback. Yeah, there's probably certain little details that you are not seeing that that person has was seen during that process. And I think yeah. it's having that open dialogue will surface more of that information and context of like, mm-hmm. what were they thinking? When they created this direction or yeah. that direction, like I think, I think it's just kind of fuels the conversation to like really unlock all those little pieces. Yeah. And maybe at a certain point, you're like, oh, you know what? My feedback doesn't, it's kind of doesn't make sense anymore because like I get what, yeah. where they're coming from. Like they're, they're backing it up with these, you know, pieces of, you know, context. And you, you and get, yeah,
1: yeah. I, um, The other thing too that line of questioning is just like you know when you said you know walk me through what you're thinking um if if the work isn't quite there yet uh when somebody's able to kind of walk you through their process and what they were thinking when you understand where they're coming from you can help guide them to the quote-unquote better work right when you you know you understand where they're
0: coming from, I, Yeah, questions is such a valuable um, tool when totally. it comes to feedback. One, one, one thing too, like uh, it's, I, I, I really like that we're talking about this from like the the leadership side, and I hope anyone out there at Headspace listening to this, this guy needs to be promoted to lead. Uh, I would just, <laughs> I would like to sign that petition verbally right now. I hope you get a promotion soon because it's, you know, that moment in a. Uh, swingers where vince Vaughn jumps up on the table and he's like my boys all grown up my boys all that's how i feel right now i feel like man, i'm gonna talk to you in this context and why i'm like man steven's like it's all grown up.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: up yeah I'm, I'm stoked it's just really cool to hear you like speak with that's such a cool i'd 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 be on your team i'd i'd i uh, want you to be my manager this is awesome there's man.
1: a cool headspace is a great team um yeah. leslie Wits over there right
2: yeah oh, yeah leslie.
1: she's she's fucking a force she is yeah. incredible
2: yeah um our whole team like the design team is kind of ridiculous that, it it wasn't only the talent and like the the pure genius that everyone every individual has on the team but also it was what really sold me on headspace was not only you know the product itself but the culture like that was Mm -hmm. but not only the culture i think i I always kind of strive to find that culture that instrument had and has because Mm -hmm. it's just a uniform it's it you'll it's hard to get especially when you're in the product world where everything is so cutthroat and and you know feedback is you're going to feel like you're an imposter
1: yeah. oh you know, and right? there's like political
2: motivations yeah there's so yeah. many oh. you know business goals and objectives and and that and it's hard to really sell an idea or if you do mm-hmm. it takes two years to have it implemented so it's like there's yeah. there's a lot of battling conversations and and different perspectives for sure but headspace not only the design team but even the engineering team the project like everyone at the company really lived up to that expectation of culture that i had an instrument um and it it being in the product world like it's kind of bonkers It's awesome
0: yeah Yeah. so what 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 do you feel like you know kind of flipping it now to being more of the receiver of feedback from the people you might work with or report into i hate using that phrase but i mean you know you, you're being managed by someone, and someone's giving you feedback more than not. And maybe even like taking the analogy of like the fact that we pointed out we both have a telecaster on the wall behind us right here. Um, and then coming from the music days, like my my image, and I, I think we might go this way of, of the feedback monster is like kind of like a guar looking monster <laughs> who's just like raging with feedback because okay, I think, wait, when we wait, think wait. Of feedback that's like Wh- the, a what? A guar? A guar is? Uh, no. Big. The band what? Guar. Oh no, I don't. Well, there are some things that Guar wears that we probably won't incorporate into our illustration, yeah, yeah. but it's like these monsters, metal monster gods that you know are holding guitar, oh, crazy you. looking guitars. <clears throat> anyway, so I picture the feedback monster being like that with like this giant amp or like just sound waves coming out of the guitar. Because we think about when feedback is scary, yeah. it's like that. And I think the word feedback instantly kind of gives us that. In our head, that's the monster form of feedback, not the positive form. So, yeah. what is it like being on the receiving end, maybe thinking about like envisioning that monster yeah. kind of overpowering you,
2: you know? Yeah, totally. I think I think the biggest thing for me personally is is understanding what that sound wave of feedback feels like, like maybe in the first instance of of, of receiving it. But I think how I've been able to mature as an individual and a designer in our industry is to understand and how to unlock the filtering mechanism between that large wall of sound and what's really important coming from that message and not just receiving all of it as Mm -hmm. you know what it is um coming through as as a scary you know it's it's scary to receive feedback it really is like whether it's Good or bad doesn't matter it's it's still yeah. you you're putting yourself out there and it's it's really hard to take in. So I think I've I've definitely and I'm still working on this and I'm sure we all are just like refining that aspect of it of of trying to filter out, you know the real message that's coming through.
0: Yeah, it's almost like, like when you when you think about that guitar feedback, there are times you're like, ah, dude, like, turn turn it down or figure it out, whatever you're doing. But there are other times you're like, dude, that sounds cool. Like when someone yeah. just sque- – mm. I remember that band Slow uh, from San Jose, S-L-O-E, this amazing rock band that we just all, like, grew up listening to. They're a little bit older than us. They were such a good rock band. And I always remember just the way their amps were, like, just, like, tuned up and dialed in. They would yeah. get this feedback that was, like, cool sounding you know just a little bit of that squeal everything was a little bit hot and i think that's that for me is when feedback is you get to that point where like man this is great i want more this is cool like it kind of reminds me of that like it's loud and kind of crazy but you like it you know so i kind of see the the metaphor going that way for me and and like with what you're saying
2: you know yeah, yeah for sure and i think i think to get to that level it's it's First, I think it's just kind of setting that that relationship up between you and the other people that you're working with and gaining that mm-hmm. trust, because I think once that trust is gained, you know, be as loud as you want with that feedback, mm-hmm. be as be as brutally honest as you as you <laughs> want. And the fact that I trust you and I understand what where you're coming from now and and who you are, you know, as an individual or professionally, I want it. Yes, yeah. bring it on
1: that is such um god that's a beautiful relationship when there's so much trust built up between people two people yeah. or more whatever but like uh you just know there's no nothing personal it's like let's just get into the work totally. and you know like i know i trust your perspective so much you're yeah. going to be able to identify like what's not working or what is yeah. but um god that's a really special relationship to have those trusting dynamics that lead to just excellent feedback.
2: I think that's where it starts. And I think that's the huge difference that I've realized coming from the agency world to the product world is that, you know, I think working closely and collaborating with designers and your team on the agency and and product side is is still pretty similar. But with agency work, you're, you're dealing with clients that, you know, you're probably working on a whole website. Like we worked on a we built the Levi's.com in like six months or seven months, which is very tight deadline. And we had to gain that trust right out the gate. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so we can have a very productive process to hit our deadlines. Um on the flip side, going on the product side, you are your own client, essentially. I mean, the consumer is, yes, your client overall, but you're working with your team. And, and essentially, I think I think gaining that trust could be made a little bit easier, because you're it's not like, like a client on the agency side, you you won't see them for after six months. And it's like, you're out of my life on to the next mm. you know, You're working very closely with these people every every day. Um, you're literally talking to them through slack every second, of, every mm. day. So you want to really make sure that your your trust is on point for sure. Totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I um, I feel like what's uh we we actually went through our like slay tame love and we really I feel like we've ended on this state of love when it comes to feedback. This is great. We 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 are true to our our monster talk uh format. Um nice. I mean feedback right, is, did i cut you off brian were yeah, you gonna say something no i'm just talking to make sound john <laughs> well maybe uh because we just did talk about what that feedback monster will look like it's a good segue into our favorite monsters at the moment so i'm curious uh, steven have you given any life. thought to what your favorite movie comic whatever anything it could be just some uh, most of the time for brian it's animals He'll pick like a badger (laughs) or something like that to be favorite. No, sometimes (laughs) animals. (laughs) Most of all I love it. It's great. Listen,
1: badgers are amazing. They build still going on badgers
0: here.
1: I was actually talking about beavers, I think. It was a beaver lodge. I was talking about beaver lodges. They're quite amazing. Little 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 designers. Mm -hmm. They're just amazing. Yeah. Mm, Sorry, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Steven. (laughs) Yeah, what do what's coming up for you when you? Um, uh, when
2: you say monster. Well, I love monsters. I love horror movies. I love thrillers. Yes. Yes. The first thing that came to mind was like Predator or Alien. Which one would I prefer most? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a really good go to. But more recently, I rewatched Cabin in the Woods. If you've
0: yes, so oh, I have.
1: God, it's, it's so Chris good. Hemsworth, right?
2: Yeah. yeah yeah that's how you remember right every off. time i rewatch that, i keep forgetting that he's in that movie as well <laughs> yeah um, Jim goddard
1: i think directed that i
2: think oh okay so, yeah it's, I know. but it's
1: like a hilarious. okay yeah talk to us
2: i was gonna say it might be spoiler alert for any listeners out there that haven't seen it i mm-hmm. um, i'll do my best not to spoil it all but yeah. i want to say that the monster that i really find scary and appreciate is actually the big brother aspect of that whole movie because Mm -hmm. they're essentially manipulating and puppeteering every monster experience in cinema Mm
1: -hmm.
2: which is wild they're actually the the driving force between or for all the horror out there which is wild
1: it's a good answer so this idea of that there's something carefully manipulating and moving mm-hmm. the monsters, th- those that control the narrative around monsters. Right. Yeah. And yeah. what's deemed scary, what's deemed not.
2: Yep. Totally. Um,
1: Which is... Who uh, gets to be scared, who get doesn't.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the end, clearly it's a self-destructive... Um, mm-hmm environment that they put themselves in because it Mm -hmm. didn't you know things don't work out here and there but (laughs) yeah yeah but i think i think that that was re-watching that i it felt like i was watching it for the first time because i was just blown away by how much power those people had
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a great fucking movie i love that movie um it's funny too yeah did did y'all see what sorry steven go
2: Uh, oh i'm curious on what your monsters currently are favorite monsters
1: you go first dude oh man i i thought i had my answer but then you said predator and i'm not gonna lie y'all if you haven't seen
0: prey i was gonna say yeah prey. oh fuck so good. Uh, there's a little a... bit of cheese for me in it but in general i'm like this is great they should continue doing these and just Ooh, yeah i'm taking over you you This is your story.
1: um, Okay, so this is what I... uh, A, we get a native perspective. Right? So it's Mm -hmm. like a decolonized horror movie set in a time that is specifically defined by colonization.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: So that was awesome. That was fucking rad. Getting an insight into Comanche culture. That was just... Ah, Mm I loved it. Um, And alongside that this idea that the predator is just this unstoppable force who is three steps ahead of you yeah and they really brought us back to that terror of mm-hmm. the terror of being hunted you're just neat yeah. and um ah uh, yeah that wasn't yeah that might have to be my answer now um this is yeah. now sponsored by prey everybody you <laughs> should go watch prey on hulu uh <laughs> It's it's actually not. The Hulu super checks are gonna scary. start rolling in. Yeah, dude, it should. <laughs> it's such a good movie. Yeah. Um, and it's just like we have so few films centering Native people and in Indigenous cultures. Like, mm-hmm. y'all watch the fuck out of that movie. It's so yeah. good.
2: I want to say the craziest reference in that movie was when someone was handing off that old weapon the old gun with the yeah the Flintlock pistol yeah. yeah and that pistol is in predator 2. that was a reference to predator oh cool too, right? that's it rad was.
1: so rad. is it when nice, danny glover's dude. on the ship yep. and he's looking that was yep. the same scene where we saw the xenomorph skull <clears throat> yep yep and yep. uh yeah it's this idea that predators have been hunting using the earth as a hunting uh, I want to see a samurai version
0: oh yeah I want to see, see everything now I, I think I they're, medieval they knights. just cracked open this world yep. to like expand the franchise in a really cool interesting way Like, yeah. which can be disconnected like they don't need to be they're just their own it yeah. reminds me of comic books now I feel like it's in that yeah. state where it's like what's the next volume you know what I mean like just keep yeah. bringing it it's so oh, good
1: Yeah. has been
0: yeah john talk to us well i i was gonna say and i forget his name uh i just watched elvis and so his manager who just preys on him you know to he's kind of a predator in a way and i wasn't going to say this other one because i was a little bit nervous to talk about it because i feel like it might be a little bit controversial especially among the design i don't maybe not amongst the design community but i was telling brian earlier that last saturday and i've been working up to this day for oh, a long time. Oh, got it. Got it. I went right. hunting for the first time. Oh, right. Yeah. That's awesome. And i uh, went uh wild pig hunting. A lot of people would say boar, but boar is the male, sow is the female, so it's feral right. pig or wild pig. We have a lot of them out here. They're technically an invasive species. They kind of tear apart a lot of the agriculture that we have out here. So, anyways, uh monster because I think when you see some of those like boars that just get gnarly and they have these huge tusks and like they can be like kind of intimidating and kind of scary um I think that visual to me represented like the whole idea of like getting into it you know and I again I was it was like not sure if I was going to talk about it but you guys were talking about predator and hunting and i'm like i just gotta share Um, so so i think it's an interesting it's an interesting discussion because i think for me why i got into it there it is i was like anti-gun like i I think melt all the guns like nothing and just would would have never thought of it and then i started hearing about people that were hunters and started listening to like their stories and i'm like wow these are this is totally different than what i thought like it was to be a hunter I thought there's just people that just like didn't give a shit and they killed something put it on the wall and that was it yeah and then I started realizing and learning that like 99% of the people that hunt are like take it very seriously and in some in most cases it's like pretty like spiritual and magical to them and like they're doing it for the meat um there's actually like it's a very systematic thing that you enter into where like even the money that you pay into it when you're getting hunting licenses or tags for your animals or whatever all that money goes into a system that is dedicated to conservation. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting because I think the hunter, I think is demonized as a monster in some ways. And and that's to my experience, it's like not the case. Like these people are actually like very serious about conservation because they know like even not just conserving the animals, but conserving the environment because the number one killer of animals is the environment, not hunters. If you don't manage the environment right and there's so much nuance in that, then these animals won't have a place to thrive. And so it's crazy to think, you know, people here are like, oh, they don't care about the environment. These people actually really do. It's really important to them. And yeah, it was, it was a pretty amazing experience going from like just like, no, I would never want to get into this to being curious and then like learning each step of the way, doing like hunter safety course and learning how to shoot a rifle and like all this kind of stuff and like taking these, these steps for like almost a year. And then last Saturday, I was able to harvest a wild pig and my we wife and down. I made tenderloin that night and we have, you know, some meat for a while now. So I don't know. I might, it might be a little weird to bring up, but I think it's, no. I think it's a good thing because it's invited. Like, it. yeah, I, I, I am, like sure most of the people that I work with in this industry like have no idea about this so I kind of want it to be something people are a little bit more aware of especially when it is in a place where it's it's a little bit unusual because if yeah. you eat meat it comes from somewhere it does. so why not come from something that's sustainable and you have to face like literally every step of the way I'm going to save us all some gruesome details, but you have to like process it yourself. It's right, kind of right. crazy, you know, like you know exactly where it came from and you were responsible for so harvesting it yourself. It's this
1: idea of getting in touch with yeah. the food you're eating specifically yeah. oh, supplies yeah. to meat eaters, not vegetarians, not folks mm-hmm. who are vegan. Yeah, totally. Um, if you uh, mm-hmm. if you eat meat, if that's your choice, um, I'm a big meat eater and, um, I mean, I don't eat a lot of red meat, but I, mm-hmm. I fucking love birds. I'll eat any bird. <laughs> get over here, you hey, pigeon. Get the get fuck over here. here. Get over here. No, Brian's like um, a, a cat. He's a secret. I don't eat cat. pigeons. Um, did you know pigeons are actually quite beautiful under ultraviolet light? Okay, no, I'm going to say this, and then we're going to go back, back to that. Yeah, but I want so um, there's a whole world in UV. So we don't see in the uv spectrum right. but if you were to apply uh, a uv light to a pigeon you would mm-hmm. see all these other like beautiful designs that we don't yeah. see that other birds see so like for those creatures that see in uv light pigeons are actually quite beautiful
0: interesting
1: anyways um but the i don't need them anymore um
2: it's funny because <laughs> on the flip side like my wife and I, we, we fly fish up here. So it's.
0: Oh, cool. And
2: we don't, we don't catch and I think we've only done it twice where we've caught mm-hmm. the fish and like actually cooked it and eaten it. That's awesome. But majority of the time it's actually catch and release yeah. so it's, mm-hmm. and that's very important for all the areas within mm-hmm. just the fishing in general. Totally. And that, Brian, that just reminds me of like fish can also see in UV and like there's yeah. type of flies that have UV. Um, coloring or or how it's decorated which is like insane on how technical you can get so in Mm -hmm. just that atmosphere under the water yeah that's awesome yeah
1: i mean but john there's this and i and i have this as a uh mostly anti-gun leftist boy but i there's this image right of Mm-hmm. The um, the hunter, it's this yeah. gun totting has seventeen assault rifles, yeah, and is you know shooting into the air is like you're done, and and it's just <laughs> like you have this you have this image, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's not really consistent with the um, the actual ideology, yeah. which is That's it's not... getting in touch with your food. There's there's a sense of temperance there where it's not mm-hmm. like I'm not going to go kill a ton. Yeah, it's like preserving the environment. It's about getting in touch with your food. Um, It's not the folks who are like big game hunters who are like, I'm going to go kill a lion or
0: an endangered species or and it's not what John's doing. John's not. And all that stuff is regulated. So for the most part, anyone who is straying outside of that, they're doing something illegal. And that's something that most hunters are like, fuck those guys. But round them up and throw them in jail. Like, there—that is like a big. I mean, you have hunters going after people like that, like trying to make sure they they do like suffer the consequences. You know, whether it's a citation yeah. or if it's straight up throw them in jail because they have like x amount of this, you know, hanging on their wall that they didn't get any tags for, or they went outside like deer season is short. <clears throat> it's not very long, you know. All this stuff is very heavily regulated much like fishing you know like it's got to be a certain weight or size or whatever and there's only you can only you know use this kind of hook or whatever you can't use barbed hook if you're getting salmon like stuff like that so i think that's another thing people don't realize there's all these regulations you know
1: i am what they call a little bitch and if (laughs) i saw if i saw a boar in the wild i would probably run and cry a little bit into my shirt um Mm -hmm. boars are scary okay we don't need to talk keep talking about boars but (laughs) respect to their life and I just hope they're having uh they're not I hope they're
0: not bored nice yeah someone my friend commented that on my post and he said boring and I wrote it was sow amazing there it is (laughs) we all we all need to do that i'm kidding
1: um so i yeah uh i feel like we're getting to the end here um yeah. sorry for Steven. taking over this monster talk but i had a a soapbox to climb onto i knew there. i knew it was gonna happen <laughs> it's one of the first things we talked about in our pre-meeting he just yeah like, like perked up <laughs> yeah um uh thank you Stephen. i i know mm-hmm. um we had a little hiccup at first so thank you for your <laughs> flexible
0: difficulties technical difficult ties yeah, yeah um, man it's yeah. been awesome thank you so much for taking the time it's great yeah. to connect with you again
2: thanks for uh, having me catch yeah, is, up it's, yeah it's really awesome to see like how all the different monsters of design that you're spinning up and and seeing how this podcast is evolving it's it's really awesome mm-hmm.
0: yeah man i know it's why i posted like a a golem meme the other day, and then uh, someone commented on my my friend AJ commented on there. And he's like, "Ooh, does that mean the monster is about making your designs precious?" I was like, well, "That's funny." But uh, like yeah. your baby. I, was I like, like that. that is a good monster. Yeah, self- No, that's not what it is. identification. That's a great one, and it should look uh, like golem. That's perfect. So AJ, yeah. you're probably listening to this. Good <laughs> idea. Great. Right to AJ. Yo, shouts
1: like, to AJ, AJ or um anybody should wait what am I saying oh I'm hungry sorry um I got to talk about visions. yeah I am I'm hungry now it's noon <laughs> oh. um Pop pop needs to eat some food um <laughs> this episode has been sponsored by prey and
0: at space the... and Boars. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> boards. And i don't are. think boars are sponsoring that <laughs> yeah
1: no asked. there's a board in like a tuxedo the boars are going to
0: protest this episode That's yeah what's the boars are, <laughs>
1: the boars are asking for their 15 percent um yeah, yeah.
2: uh well, where where can
0: Steve- people where can people find you oh yeah they want to look at your question. work or or yeah. kind of see what you've been up to
2: totally um i actually pulled. Hold- down my site recently but I'm sure I, I'll put that back up and mm-hmm. share share my at least professional work but my more personal artwork you can find me at theater of the absurd
1: Theater. theater. oh my That's god right. we didn't even talk yeah. about your art that yeah. is uh, you, I you have probably, so many probably can't see it because it's out of
0: frame here because I think the way we crop this is tight but there's a skateboard hanging behind me back here to the left
2: theater and it's from a short arts? film
0: I did like 12 years ago, and it was something crazy. Yeah, and okay. Stephen painted it, and it's a zombie. I'll post it on Instagram too. That's, but it's oh my God. A beautiful piece so of that. It's that's been on my wall uh, forever yeah. since he painted it. So I love it. Okay. There was a whole
1: conversation. We can do this another time. There was just this whole idea around now, you know, what? I'm not even
0: going to fucking open that box. Okay. Well, there the are, point wait, is, Stephen is also a very, very artist. talented artist. I've been to your uh, art shows in the past. Wait, it's you, Theater you of counsel. the Art, you said?
2: Absurd. absurd. Theater of the absurd. Yeah,
0: and that's at Theater of the Absurd. Is there like a? Yep.
2: It's like okay. theater dot of uh, dot the dot absurd. It's gotcha. Okay. The worst name. No, no, yeah,
0: yeah, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, cool. We'll we'll post that link too and we share it out. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. All right. See
1: yeah. you. Many blessings.